Repeat after me. Say, this is my Bible. Every word in it is true. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I'll be taught God's word. It's his truth transforming every part of my life. And I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. I tell you what, how much y'all had fun. The first couple of days of this stuff were fun, weren't they? Right? Oh, it's snowing outside. A lot. <laughs> oh, it's sleeting outside. A lot. I mean, look, y'all, I'm from Texas. What's up? <laughs> I mean, I, I go out, I let my German shepherd out so he can run around. He looks up at me like, dude, are you crazy? What is this? Like I did something, you know? I mean, uh, this has not been very exciting at all. Well, it's been exciting. It's just, I don't know. But uh, we need to continue to pray, obviously. And, and I don't like canceling church. I got to tell you a funny story. Last Sunday, you know, we, we, I agonized over canceling church. I got to tell you, I really, really agonized over it. And I was sitting with the guys, and, you know, it had started to sleep a little bit. And I thought, well, so we, we went ahead and called it. And then I said, oh, I hope it does because I'm going to feel really dumb if something doesn't happen, you know. But, but what happened is some of the kids found out, their parents told them, we're not going to church. I had two families with two kids that were like crying and almost crying. I ran into one of them at the grocery store right after church. And the, and the little, bitty, little bitty girl looks up and like, we canceled church. And she looked at me like, Pastor, how could you do this? <laughs> I mean, her lip, I mean, I'm like, are you, I had to leave. I'm like, this is horrible. You know, I just felt so bad. But uh, you know what? I, I believe that it was the right thing that we did. But we need to continue to pray against this weather. I want to have church on Sunday. I, I determined that I was going to preach today if I was the only one here. Um, because we just need to hear God's word. How many of you are glad to be back at church? Amen. It just doesn't feel right, does it? You kind of go, ah, you know. This is not fun. Well, I want to tell you today we're going to go in and we are, we're going to be talking about This is the last sermon in the series on 30 days to live, if I only had 30 days to live, this time, I'm going to get it right, this time. And, and the whole thought behind this series has been, if I, only, if I found out I only had 30 days to live, how would I live my life differently? And some people, you can't really wrap your mind around that. So maybe a year. What if, what if you went to the doctor or, or you knew that in year, 365 days from today, you were going to be gone? How would you live your life differently? And here's the truth. If you knew that was going to be the case, you, were, you would live your life very differently. You would give forgiveness freely, wouldn't you? You would make those phone calls. You would really, you, the most important thing is, you would want to make sure your relationship with God was right because you would know in 365, 364, 3, I'm going to go meet him. And you wouldn't want to make sure that relationship's right. It was interesting. I had one of our community leaders call me yesterday, and we were talking. He goes, Pastor, he goes to another church. He said, what are you preaching on tomorrow? And I, I wanted to say, well, come to church. You'll find out. But I didn't. Uh, he said, what are you preaching on? I kind of gave him a synopsis today, and he made a very interesting comment. And here was the comment. I just told him what I just told you, that how would you live your life differently? He goes, man, that's awesome. He goes, you know what the goal should be? I said, what's that? He, sh he said, I wouldn't do anything different. If I found out in 30 days that I was going to die, I would like to be living my life in such a way that I wouldn't change anything. And I thought, wow. But here's what was even more interesting. 
He said, yeah, Monday I've got to go to Little Rock. I said, what are you doing down there? He said, I've, I've got a friend who's been diagnosed with terminal cancer, and I'm going to go spend the day with him. And he said, it's probably the last time I'll ever be able to talk to this guy. So here I am talking to him about this series, and then he's telling me he's going down to talk to a guy about the exact things we're talking about. And he's going to cherish those moments because here they are going to sit down for one more conversation unless God intervenes. And they're going to have that discussion. You can imagine what that would be like. And, And I want us to live with that kind of an intensity. I mean, think of it as a church. If we knew that in a year we were going to be done, what would we do as a church? I mean, there are people that you would reach out to right now because this may be the only chance they get. I mean, it's the difference between where they're going to spend eternity. And why don't we live that way? Because the truth is we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. It might snow. (laughs) I mean, we just don't know what's going to happen. And there are a few times in the last few days that I thought meeting Jesus very soon would be a real possibility. I mean, I got to tell you, I'd gone up a hill. There's a hill near our house in front of Tim and Melissa's house. And I'd gone up and down this hill a couple of times. And I've got four-wheel drive in the Yukon. I thought, yeah, I got four-wheel drive. I can do anything, right? Well, about the third time up that hill, it went, and then it did something really weird. It went backwards and sideways. (laughs) And and it was funny because Trish and Kennedy were in the car and we were all talking away. And here's what I said. Everybody be quiet and pray. (laughs) I mean, and Trish was praying and and Kennedy, there was nothing. It was like, "Mm," you know, and and we started going. And and I ended up, I I don't know if y'all have ever had to do this. I mean, I was about halfway up this hill. It's a pretty good sized hill. I mean, in Texas, we call it a mountain. You know, I mean, it was, it was a big hill. It's probably 30 foot, you know, I mean, it's big. And, and, and so I backed down this hill. And Jesus, I was so close to him, <laughs> you know. But I want to tell you, we don't know. We don't know. And here's the point. Here's the bottom line, as I've discovered through this series for myself. Really what this is about is living a life of no regrets. That's what it's about. Because if you knew in 30 days, if you didn't, I mean, if you knew you just had minutes left, you'd probably be thinking, I wish I would have whatever. So here's the challenge. Let's live a life so that we can say, Lord, I'm coming home. And I'm going to share some scriptures with you today that Paul talks about some of these things that's amazing. But this is the last in the series. And I want to encourage you in something. You know, we've got a, a great church website, and we take all the sermons that we do, and the, for the last three and a half years or so, all those sermons are on the website. And you can go to our church website, which is highlandassembly.com, and if you miss a Sunday, they're all there. Or if you want to listen to them again, you can download them. You can do whatever you want to do. If you sell them, just send us some of the money. That's all we're asking for. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but just download and listen to them over again, because sometimes we need that. We need to go back and listen to something and let God refresh us, amen? So if you've missed something in the series, go back and listen to it. And let God speak to you, because his word works, amen? So think about it. We really don't want to live a life of regrets, do we? So let's make a decision not to be that way. Let's get some things done, amen? All right, Psalm 39 has been our, our uh, 
uh, scripture for the series. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. It's on your screens. You should also have it in your notes. Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. This is psalmist talking. He said, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered and how fleeting they are, how fleeting my life is. You have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath. And then the psalmist says the word selah, which means pause and calmly think of that. Think about that. That's how important this is. Remind me, Lord, that my days are numbered. Remind me that I've got an expiration date. Remind me that I only have so many breaths left. And help me live that way. Help me to live knowing that my time is limited. Psalm 39.4, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Man, that's important. You know, I've talked to a number of you through the last few weeks that have really begun to apply this series to your life. And it really puts things in perspective, doesn't it? Because most of us think we're going to just live forever, especially teenagers. You know, do you remember, how, how many of you remember being a teenager? Come on. Some of you are teenagers. Thank you. The teenagers are going, I remember yesterday. You know, for some of us, it's a little harder to remember because, you know, the Civil War was going on for me and I had to look back, you know, it's a long time ago. But, but you look back and you think, wow, I remember thinking, I'm bulletproof, man. You know, I can do anything. And I acted that way. And, and my angels worked overtime. My angels would take rotation shifts, you know, in my life. But the truth is we, we would live our lives that way. But the reality is we mature and begin to understand things. This is just not true. We have to recognize our days are numbered. So how do we leave? Here's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about leaving a godly legacy. The last sermon in the series, what happens when you leave? And I'm not talking about when you go to heaven. I'm talking about what happens here. Let's say it's the day after. You're gone. You're done. What's left behind? What have you left behind? How do you leave a godly legacy? What does that look like? Let's look at number one. Number one is this. Fill it in on the blanks. It's on the screens. Say the words that God wants us to say. Say the words that God wants us to say. Proverbs 4, 20 through 24 says this. My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Verse 24, avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. And if you noted in your notes there, I highlighted or put some, uh, I bolded some of the words in there. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them for their life. Those guard your heart. Avoid perverse talk and speech. The things that you say matter. I mean, many of you can look back on your life and you can remember good things that people have said to you, but there have been some hard things people have said to you that have stuck with you. Maybe somebody said you're stupid. Maybe somebody said to you you're never going to amount to anything. Maybe someone called you a name and it labeled you. And their words branded you. And you believed it. 
And so now you live your life based on these words that somebody has said. I know people like that. And it can be good or bad. And the psalmist is telling us here that we need to watch our words and we need to guard our heart because whatever we believe in our hearts is going to determine the action of our life. The Bible tells us as a man thinks he is, so is he. And how you think is how you're going to act. And if you think you're, going to lo- you're a loser, you're going to act like one. And you're a child of God. If you are born of God, if you've received Jesus as your Savior, you are his child, as Trisha was just talking about. You're his son. You're his daughter. But if you don't believe that and you don't act like that, you won't. It doesn't mean you're not his kid, but you won't act like you are. You know, I talk about our dogs. We've got two Yorkies. One of them's a miniature Yorkie. That's kind of like saying jumbo shrimp. I mean, these are small animals, okay? I mean, no kidding, we were out one day, and our smallest one, Gucci, our little bitty Gucci, she's like this big, she's out barking, and we go out to see what she's barking at, and there's a squirrel. She and the squirrel are having a face-off. I mean, the squirrel's not even running. It's like, what are you, man? Dude. You know, I mean, I think she's nervous of sparrows. They pick her up and carry her off. I mean, this is a little dog. But here's what's funny. We had the Yorkies first, and then we got my German Shepherd, Ranger. Ranger's a big German shepherd, right? Big, I'm a German shepherd. Y'all volt, I'm a German shepherd. I'm, you know, he's a big dog. The little dogs tell him what to do. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, Gucci's like probably, what, three pounds? And I mean, here she is, and she growls at him. He's like, hey, I don't want any of that. I'm like, dude, your tongue weighs more than this dog. She'll be at his food bowl, and he'll go running up. She'll go, and he'll go, hey, it's all good. I'm like, eat her. I mean, you know, she'll be nutritious. <laughs> but she's only an appetizer. I mean, but here's the thing. He thinks she's in charge, so he acts like she's in charge, even though he has all the strength in the world. I mean, and you're looking at this, go, how that? we do that in our own lives. That's revelational for somebody. You've got a Yorkie telling you what to do, and you're a child of God. The power of the Creator lives in you. The same power that that raised Jesus from the dead, if you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, is inside of you. And yet the devil labels you, and people have told you you're not worth anything, and you act like it. And you can. Who are you going to believe? The words. So why is it important for us to say the words that God wants us to say? Because life and death is in our words. And I want to tell you, parents and grandparents, what you say to your kids marks them. You need to watch what you speak over them because they're listening. Even when you don't think they're listening, they're listening. And the words that you say, I've heard it said like this before. It's kind of like firing a gun and then trying to take the bullet back. Once those words are out there, they're out there. And you need to guard your mouth and guard what you say because what you say is branding people for good or for bad. Amen? Listen to this, Matthew three sixteen. This is revelational. I never saw this in Scripture before where I understood it. This is awesome. Matthew 3, verses 16. After his baptism, Jesus, after Jesus' baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened. 
And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved Son who brings me great joy. This is my dearly loved Son who brings me great joy. Let me tell you why I thought this was so amazing. This is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. It's not even really started yet. He's getting baptized. Holy Spirit comes and descends on him like a dove. Heaven opens up. This voice from heaven. God speaks and said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. What I want you to notice here is this. What has Jesus done up to this point in ministry? What has he done? Nothing. Well, pastor, why is that important? Because God's love for him was unconditional. It wasn't based on what he did. It was based on who he was. This is my dearly beloved son. I'm pleased in him. He brings me great joy. And it almost can be said not because of what he does, but because of who he is. And I want you to understand something today. God loves you not because of what you do for him, but because you are his child. And there are so many of us that get caught up in this performance thing. I've got to do more. I've got to say more. If I don't do this, if I don't do that, God's going to like me. There are people that are not in this church because they feel like they're not good enough. Some of you have heard people say this before. Once I get my life cleaned up, I'll come to God. Once I do this, once I do that, then I'll come to God. I want you to understand something today. He loves you not because of what you do for him, but because he loves you because of who you are. You're his child. We serve God because we love him, not to get his approval. And we need to understand that, guys. Because if you get into a performance mentality of, I've got to do more, I've got to do more. No, 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 no. We serve God because we love him, not because we have to. It's not about gaining brownie points with God. You know, <laughs> you could ask me, well, Pastor, you know, I, look, one of these days we're going to go to heaven. And I'm going to be standing before the Lord. And, and, and if somebody, if, if an angel says, well, uh, Pastor Chris, let's talk about how many people you baptized. I don't know. Let's talk about how many blah, blah. I don't know. I was obedient, I served, I did my best. Lord, I failed sometimes, but thank God you were there and you gave me grace. But it's not about brownie points, is my point. It's not like there's some roll up there going, oh, you only baptized 19, you needed 20. You didn't quite make it. We have to get out of the performance mentality. We have to understand that he loves us because of who we are. We serve him because we love him. Do you understand? Why is this important? Do you remember the story of the prodigal son? There's another part to that story that most of us don't focus on. It's my favorite story that I love to tell at Easter because I love it. But we spend a lot of our time talking about the son that was out in the pig pen, the son that ran away. Do you understand? We spend our time talking about him. But you need to understand that Jesus was telling that story to the Sadducees and the Pharisees. He was telling that story to the religious people who were the older brother that didn't run away, 
And the younger brother comes back, and the older brother goes, why are you doing this for him? Look at everything he's done wrong. I mean, I've been here the whole time, and you don't give me anything. And this idiot runs off with your inheritance and takes it, and now he's coming back, and you're acccepting him back in. And here's the problem. He also felt like, now I've got to give up some more of my inheritance for this guy. Why? What's the problem? And Jesus says that the father looks at that older son and says, you're always with me. But your brother was lost, and now he's found. And you know what the older brother should have done? When that younger brother ran off, you know who should have gone to find him? The older brother. Instead of standing out in the field going, I'm doing everything right, I'm doing everything right, the mission was going out and bringing his brother back when he saw the heartbreak of his father. You know that story doesn't have a closed ending because we don't know if the older brother ever came in or not. Jesus left that up to them. And that tells us that we love and we serve out of love for God in our hearts and we have to guard our hearts because God's looking at us and he's saying, I love you because you're my child and we serve him out of an overflowing heart. Do you understand? Man, it's so important. Here's a thought that I, I wanna share with you guys. We need to, and this is the big thought today, don't let any good thought go unspoken. Don't let any good thought go unspoken. Say what you mean to say. Pastor, why do you say that? Here's why I say that. Let's say you're sitting at home and you think about so-and-so. Let's say you you think about Jimmy, and Jimmy's on your mind. You go, man, I appreciate Jimmy. I was just thinking about him today, and wow, Jimmy's a great guy. Is Jimmy going to know that? Is Jimmy going to know you're thinking about him? Maybe Jimmy's having a really hard day. And maybe the Holy Spirit put that thought in there so that you can encourage Jimmy. And what I would encourage you to do is text. Send a text to Jimmy. Call Jimmy. If you see Jimmy, Jimmy, I've been thinking about you today, man. I appreciate you. You don't know what that might mean to him. Don't let any good thought go unspoken. Because if you just think it, nobody else knows it. You know, Trish and I have talked about this, how much we love you guys and appreciate you guys, but if we don't ever tell you, you're never going to know it. And you can feel a certain way about somebody, but if you don't speak it to them or show them, they're never going to know you feel that way. Do you understand? And you go, well, that's not very complicated. Yeah, but are we doing it? Well, I love my kids. Do you ever tell them? I love my spouse. Well, I told her when I married her I loved her. You understand me? You know, I was talking to Miles the other day, and Kennedy, and I, I was sitting to Miles, and I said, Miles, I am proud of you. He said, for what? I said, because you're my son, and I'm proud of you. And I said, no matter what you do, I love you. I said, I'm proud of you, and I, I have great kids. I'm thankful for all three of my kids. They're awesome. Kennedy should be if I can ever make money off her being a comedian, y'all, we will build all kinds of buildings. It'll be awesome. Amen? For those of you who know her. But the truth is, I, Trish and I have been blessed with amazing kids, but I want you to know something. I love them no matter what. 
I love them when they do great. It breaks my heart when they don't do great. But I'm proud of them because I love them because they're my kids. And we need to say things and reach out to people. And you say, well, pastor, that's not in my nature to do that. It doesn't have to be in your nature to do that. Train yourself to do it. Some of you, <laughs> how, many, how many of you guys remember being a teenage boy? Let's just say 13 years old. You remember 13 years old? 13 years old is when bathing was optional. Do you remember that? Come on. I promise you. Do I have any junior high teachers in here right now? Junior high teachers. We could walk into the junior high school right now and it will smell like deodorant. Amen? And that will be because those boys are spraying themselves down to combat the smell. I remember those days. You know, dad's like, take a bath. Do you remember things like, take a bath and I will check you? (laughs) You know, I mean, you know what I'm talking about? And then they get like 17 and you're like, how many gallons of water are you going to (laughs) use? I have no idea where I was going with that. I really did. (laughs) I had a point. (laughs) Here's my point. Here, Here is my point. Say what you mean to say. Don't look back. I made Miles, he's left, he's just gone. (laughs) But here's the deal, say what you mean to say. Don't let it go. If you appreciate somebody, tell them. Because here's the deal, here's why I talk about living a life with no regrets. I'm ignoring this side, I'm gonna go over here for a little while. Here's what I mean. What if that person goes home to be with the Lord tomorrow? And they meant something to you, and you never said it. You never said thank you. You don't want to live with that, but more importantly, you want them to know that. I mean, those are the kind of things in life that keep you going when you realize you're making a difference and you're impacting people's lives. Say what you mean to say. We've got a video that I want to show that I think you guys, all, everybody's leaving. Evan, why are you leaving? Why are y'all doing? Y'all are leaving me. <laughs> Let's watch this video. Twenty things we should say more often. Number twenty, thank you. And not just on Thanksgiving, every day. Number nineteen, excuse me. Number eighteen, here's a surprise corn dog that I bought you because you're my friend. There'll be more corn dogs, more happy people. This is a good idea. Corn dog for you, corn dog for you, corn dog for you. Number 17, I'm sorry. Number 16, I forgive you. Number 15, you can do it. But don't say it if it's something you can't do. Number 14, another thing that we should say more often, I have barbecue sauce in my shirt too. Before you say something about the barbecue sauce on somebody else's shirt, take a look at the barbecue sauce on your own shirt. Number 13, please. Number 12, everything is going to be okay. Number 11, oh, you got me a corn dog too? You shouldn't have, buddy. Number 10, I don't know. I know a lot of people who need to say that. My sister. (laughs) Number 9, you're so awesome I named my dog after you. Wait, wait, wait. That could hurt someone's feelings. I mean boat. I named my boat after you. Wait, who even have the boat? You're so awesome, I legally changed my name to yours. 
Wait, that's super creepy. It, it, just tell people they're awesome and mean it. Number eight. Hello, person I've never met before. Here's a high five. Number seven. My sports team is not always the best sports team. It takes a big man to say that. Number six. Nothing. Sometimes that's the best thing you can say. Number five. <laughs> that doesn't mean anything, but it's just really funny. <laughs> Number four. I disagree with you, but I still like you as a person who is a human being, and I'll treat you like that. Because if I didn't, it would make everything bad, and that's what lots of people do in this lane. Whew, I need a water break, y'all. It's okay to disagree, but it's not okay to be mean. Number three, sometimes you just gotta scream. <laughs> Number two, life is tough, but so are you. Sometimes we all need to be reminded to keep going. Number one, something nice, anything. If you can't think of anything nice to say, you're not thinking hard enough. So what about you? What do you think people should say more often? Leave a comment below and let's hear it. Oh, and I got a bonus one for you. Something that we should say more often? Let's dance. Here's something that you need to think about. I want you to think about this statement. Think about a person that it's the last time you're going to talk to them. And here's the thought. Above all else, here's what I want you to know. If I was, if I was just going to spend one more conversation with Monica, here's what I want you to know, Monica. Think about those things, guys. Let's start to live that way. Let's start to live that way. Number two, do what God has sent you to do. Do what God has sent you to do. Do, D-O, short word. It means do. That requires action. Correct? Do what God has sent you to do. Acts 20, verse 24. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. I mean, that's somebody that's focused. That's saying, look, I know the most important thing I do. My only aim is to finish the race, to do the thing that God has called me to do. And I want to tell you that your first ministry is to your family. That's your first ministry. My first ministry is to my family. You know, you look at pastors around the country, and, and there's a reason they call PKs PKs. Pastors, kids, uh. My first ministry is my family. If I reach every one of you guys and my family falls apart, I have failed. Right? So I have to focus on my family, but you have to do the same. That's your first ministry. Kids, grandkids. Nephews, neighbor, neighbor kids, the, the people around you, the people in your circle of influence, that's your priority of ministry, amen? And then it's the other things that God has you do. There's a reason God's put you in relationship with people. That's your area of ministry. And here's the question for that. What is your unfinished task? 
What is it that God's put in your heart to do? And I know I've talked to some of you about some things that God's put in there. What is your unfinished task? What is it that's burning in you that you feel like you need to do? And then let's find a way to do that thing. Amen? Number three. Live how God wants us to live. James 1.22, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. Don't just listen to God's word. Do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. 1 John 2.17, and this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. 2 Timothy 4, 6 through 8. As for me, I want you to understand, let me set this up. This is the Apostle Paul. This is the Apostle Paul, and he's writing a letter to Timothy, who was a pastor, who, who was a spiritual son to Paul. And this is what Paul's writing to him. It's very important. As for me, Timothy, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And this prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. Now I have a thought for you. Becky, put that up on the screen. I want you to imagine with me for a minute that you're at your own funeral. And, and funerals, and I've, I've done enough of them as a pastor now, I've done enough funerals, they kind of go one of two ways. They're either terrible, wonderful days, or they're just terrible days. And what do I mean by terrible, wonderful? I mean, those are the funerals where you get together and there's family and there's friends and, and they come together and they laugh about the funny things that this person did and they cry because they're going to miss them. But they know they had a relationship with God and they're off in heaven. Maybe they fought a battle against a disease for a long time and they're no longer in pain and now they're off with the Lord. And it's a terrible day because they're no longer here on earth with us. They're gone. But it's wonderful because we know we celebrate their life. And you know, it's interesting. If you go into any graveyard, anywhere around, and you go in and walk out and look at that, there'll be just a couple of words. Loving Father. Wonderful mother, whatever. Now imagine having to sum up on your, your life in just a little bit of space. But that's not really where your legacy is. Your legacy is in the people that are around you, the people that are there. So ask yourself this question. If I were to die tomorrow, what would people say about me? What's my legacy what would my kids say? What would my friends say? What would those who love me say? What would those who maybe didn't like me say? What, what would people say? What is the legacy that's left behind? Because, you know, people are going to go on, and that's what's left, this tombstone somewhere, and, and what are people going to say about you? Here's the good news. 
Well, there's bad news. Some of you might say, well, pastor, I don't know. I mean, have you ever been to, and, and I've been around some of this, have you ever been to a funeral where, where the person wasn't really liked, they weren't really a great person? And, and maybe as a pastor, I'm walking around going, hey, tell me, I don't know this person, tell me something funny, tell, tell me something about this person, and they go, hmm, um, they liked pizza. Or, or they were really good at golf. Oh, yeah, they were really good at golf. Because they're reaching for something. And then there are those funerals. It's a terrible, wonderful day. And there are people going, you know, back in so-and-so, that they came to me and they ministered to me or they helped me in a time of need. You know what I'm talking about. How will you be remembered? You know, I think of, there's a lot of saints in this room. There's some awesome people in this room. I think of Clella. I'm sorry, Clella. I hadn't planned on this, but I'm going to talk about you. How many people in this church have been in a class that Clella's taught over the years? Let me see your hand. Hands all over the auditorium. There are kids that are now grown up, not because she's old, but because she was really young when she started. But there are kids that she taught that now are grown up and have families that are raising godly families. And they're her legacy. They're, they're the people that she has planted herself. Her DNA is in those people. And now those people are leading other people to the Lord. That's amazing. To me, doesn't get much better than that, does it? Now, some of you, I realize when, when I give a message like this, I realize when a word goes out, for some of you, this feels like condemnation. Some of you hear this and go, I've blown it. If I were to die tomorrow, my legacy's a mess. I want you to understand something. It's not too late. It is not too late. God can redeem what's been stolen. God can change it. He can make it better. And for those of you that struggle with that, for those of you that are looking at your life right now going, it's too late, Pastor. I hear what you're saying, and I wish you'd shut up. For real. Come on, let's be honest. Just go on to the next series, Pastor. It's not too late. But you have to decide. You know, the scripture I read earlier out of Isaiah 43, Trisha's sharing out of the same passage, out of Isaiah 43, that there's these challenges and there's this war going on. But I want to tell you something. God's not nervous about that, but he needs your help. He's going to do it, but when God looks up and says, look, can't you see it? In the natural, you don't see it. No, I don't see it. But you have to look through the eyes of faith and believe that what he said, he's already done. And so for some of you, that's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to say, my legacy is not what I want it to be. But I'm going to make a quality decision today to begin to change that. And you can do that. But you have to decide today to make a decision to change today. And it's one step at a time. One step at a time. Do you understand me? Listen to me, folks. Jesus died for you. 
He loves you. God loved this world so much. He loves you so much that Jesus died for you so that you could be free and you could have a life worth living. So don't look back at your past and let that disqualify you. And just as a last word of encouragement, all those people in the Bible that you look at, most of them were as messed up or as more messed up than you are. So don't look at the Bible and go, at all these great, wonderful people. You wouldn't invite half of them to your house. For real. I mean, Moses, murderer, killed somebody. David, murderer, adulterer. I mean, you just go through the book. Paul, murderer. I mean, Peter, cutting off folks' ears and, you know, denying Jesus. I mean, just go down the list. And these are the people God picks. (laughs) So you're in good company. But you have to make a decision. You have to choose to allow him to work in your life. You have to choose because what what changed all those people, what made those people the amazing people that, that they were, that they already were, is that they surrendered their lives to the Lord and they were obedient. And he covered their sin. So don't let your past disqualify you. Let what Jesus has done qualify you. Because that's the only thing that matters. Lay it at the foot of the cross. Step on, stepper. Do you understand me? That's the important thing. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed me white as snow. He washed me white as snow. Amen? Receive that today. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your amazing love and your amazing mercy that's over all of our lives. Father, let this sink into our hearts. Father, let this penetrate us. Father, I pray that it would just move down deep inside of us, that that those of us that are here today, Father, that have, have been marked by words that people have said to us that were bad or, or things that we've done that, that have labeled us and we feel like that's who we are. And that's not who we are, that's what we've done. And if we will turn to you, you will cover all that, Lord. And you've got an amazing life. Or your, your word says in Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans that I have for you, and they're good plans to give you a future and a hope. Every person. And I pray, Lord, today that your Holy Spirit would move in this place. And that you would set people free today to be the person that you've called them to be. Their past, if they lay it down at the cross, no longer a factor. Their past does not disqualify them. Your sacrifice qualifies them. So Father, I pray that you would move. Speak to every person. If you're here today, I don't want anybody looking around. If you're here today, this is a holy time. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, you have not received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But you know that today you need to do that. 
and you have, you have disqualified yourself because of the things that you've done, the things that you've said, you've walked away from God, and you've done your own thing. But today, you want to surrender your heart. You want to receive Him as your Lord. You want forgiveness of sins. You want to become His child. If that's you today, slip your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. I want to receive Jesus today. Or maybe you're here today and you're a Christian. This has really impacted you. God's speaking to you and you know He's speaking to you. And you know what it's like to be His child. You know what that's like, but you have walked away. You've you've done your own thing. And I want you to understand, we've all done that. But you know today He's calling you back home and you want to be back home. There's no condemnation from him. He just wants you to be there. He loves you. So if that's you today and you just want to rededicate your life, you want to get things right with God is what that means. You want to get things right with God. If that's you today, just slip up your hand and say, Pastor, that is me. Amen. Our hands all over the auditorium, guys. Also, if you're here today, and and you're dealing with some challenges there's just some things going on you need God's help you need somebody to pray with you you need you're going through a tough time and we all have tough times and maybe you feel like you're carrying the burden alone and you just need God's help I'm gonna open the altars and, and if you need salvation today if you want to rededicate your life today if you just need somebody to pray with you today this is your time If the prayer partners will come, if you're here today and you, you qualify in any of those areas and you just you want to get things right with God, you need to pray, whatever the thing is, you need to come down, now is the time. Let's go ahead and come forward. The altars are open.
Let's all stand this morning. There's still people praying up here. Jesus said when he he came to to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captives free, amen? And then as he got ready to go back into heaven, he said something. He said, now you go. And he empowered us to be his hands and feet. That's why on our little wonderful red t-shirts, it says the hands and feet of Jesus. And that's not just a cute saying. Look at your hands real quick. Everybody look at your hands real quick. If you're a Christian, the power of God lives inside of you. These are Jesus' hands. Now look at your feet. My boots are jacked up. I need to get some new boots. <laughs> Those are Jesus' feet. Wherever you go, The power and the presence of God goes with you. Amen? And that's not just a cute saying, guys. That's true. So when you leave this place today, you're going out into a world where people are hurting and they're lost. Just go down to Walmart and walk around for a little while. Go down to town and country. Go to one of the restaurants and just look around. And there are hurting people all around you. And you are the hands and feet of Jesus. Allow him to use you to love people. You understand? Because if you only had 30 days left, you'd do that. So let's live like that. Amen? All right, well, here's what's going to happen. Tonight, I've got, we've got a board meeting this afternoon. I know the weather's still bad. We we're going to kick off classes this month, and because of everything being cattywampus, I made that, you know, right then, cattywampus. I love that. But we're, we're going to kick off classes here in a few weeks. But, but tonight, if you come, we're going to pray and spend some time together. I'll bring a short word for us. But if you can get out, but use wisdom, okay? If, if your driveway is an ice rink, and you say, well, Pastor Chris, I said, no, you use wisdom, right? So if you can get out, get out. If you can't, stay home, but get here Wednesday night, okay? And uh, next Sunday, we'll, we're going to call the special meeting after service, but we will meet tonight at 530. If you can be here, use wisdom, okay? Grab your neighbor's hand this morning. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this time that we can come together. Lord, I pray that you'd bless us as we go. Lord, help us to remember that we are your hands and we are your feet. And so, Father, as we leave this place, help us to see those around us that need you and love them like you do. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, high five five people and get out of here. Check.